If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I'm so glad that you decided to spend some of your time with us today because we have an excellent podcast episode for you, my friends. This is the final episode in the Meta Let's Get Metaphysical. Let's Get Metaphysical series. And uh, it's a doozy. So I hope you got your favorite beverage nearby and you got your feet up over by the fireplace and uh, you got your mask securely fashioned, and you're ready. You're ready for what's next. Uh, my name is Keith Giles. I am one of three co-hosts of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I'm the author of several books, and um, I'm excited to be joined by my co-hosts, Matt and Jamal. Guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, friends. This is Jamal Javanji. It's a pleasure to be back on the Heretic Happy Hour podcast with you guys. I am most recently the author of Living for a Living, um, which came out in April of 2019 and um guys how about that uh how about those 99 cent uh that that april foolishness deal that choir did with all the got you guys saw you guys uh hit number one and stayed up there for a while you guys were killing it um, and it, i don't know maybe there's still 99 cents i don't know somebody somebody might want to check that but uh yeah it's good to be back on the podcast with you guys yeah well, I got I got to say uh Keith really killed it because I think Keith's books are always number 1 and I don't know what it is, but um yeah, I'm Matt DiStefano. I do have a book that's still 99 cents. I don't know about the rest of choir, but I've got the Bonfire Sessions 99 cents on Kindle. Uh yeah, so I don't know, I just feel a little rivalrous right now because Keith, I swear every time <laughs> every time you post something it's like my book's number 1 again, I'm like, man, this dude. You know what? Yeah. So, you know what? Tip it is, tip, though, right? tip of the cap to you, friend. Thank you. you know what it is? It's 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 actually a part of a subtitle. Uh, He's just quoting the subtitle. Like if you just put in the subtitle of your book that it's number one, then you just say it's number one. Then you say it is, and you're good. <laughs> oh, so I'm gonna have to try. That. I'm gonna have to try that like, next time. It's kind of like money. It's kind of like you know how like our money is. Uh, it's just like printed, but there was like seven people on a board called the Federal Reserve Board. They just say this is what it is, and it is. Mm. It's just it's just like that. So it's just like that. Because- yeah. So, so because I just wake up feeling like I'm number one, I go and check Amazon and like, well, holy crap, I'm number one. Look at that. Do, well, do, if, I mean, if, I, if you, know, you know you're number one, and so therefore the universe is mirroring that back to you. It's just aligning itself with my will. That's right. Yeah, and if the, if the quantum world's real, right, you bring in the, the reality. You manifest it in the real world. You change well, I, I don't the know. If that's what's happening, I'm just going to keep doing it. So You might, it, you might, you might as well. Yeah, you well, might as well. Anyway. So, uh, well, I mean, I'm bittersweet. I, I like this series. It's fun. Uh, but this is the last one. But before we get into it, of course, we have a word from our sponsor, which, of course, is Wild Foods. Their Wild website Foods! is. Wild Foods! Wild Foods! Dude, calm the. F- Cocaine's a hell of a drug, I tell you what. <laughs> what Woo! Wild Foods, baby. Yeah. I think you've been you've been eating too many of the the cordyceps mushrooms, which they have, <laughs> which is perfect to take right before your workout, but maybe not as good to take <laughs> right before your podcast. They have yeah, no. they have other products for that, like the like the adaptogenic mushrooms that aren't gonna make you wanna just bench press two twenty five right now, Keith. <laughs> but um, anyway, I've I've been I've been going deep on this stuff. I've been getting the fish oil. I got the cordyceps mushrooms. 
I've been doing the protein, which is like chai vanilla protein, and it's delicious. It's made out of hemp, so it's perfect for me, if you, if you catch my meaning. Mm. Um, yeah. Not only that, but our listeners, if you want to be my medic and order the same shit that I'm ordering, go to wildfoods.co. When you check out, put in that uh, promo code HAPPYHOUR12, H-A-P-P-Y-H-O-U-R-1-2, and you'll get 12% off your order. So do it, man. Boom. Um, Matt, Matt, can I ask you a question? You can ask me whatever you want, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm um, just curious why, and I, and I, I don't know if this is even a top, well, let's, let me just ask you, why do you take fish oil? What, what is your reason reasoning for that? What is my reasoning? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's like scientifically uh, proven, but it's good for your heart from what I hear. Mm-hmm. And it's good for your prostate. Yeah. And at worst, it does nothing. But at at best, at at best, it does good stuff for you. Okay, interesting. Because I've been investigating fish oil. I'm just curious um, to ask people when they use that, like like what's you know what the benefits are and how you've noticed it. So I've heard those same things too. So I, I've actually yeah. just started taking fish oil as well. So yeah. pretty cool. Or just I mean, you know, eat eat good organic fish as well. But you know, true. Yeah, I do both. So it's all good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I, if, if, uh, I'm not sure who's listening to this, apparently, um, that we have, do have repeat listeners. So if you are a repeat listener of the here to Capyar podcast, um, please, this is not an announcement for you, but if you are the, if you are first time listening to the podcast, first of all, I want to say welcome. Secondly, I want to let you know that there is a hotline. The here to Capyar podcast has a hotline. It's why, uh, this podcast is, um, it, it's completely unique. There is not another podcast on the internet like it because of this. And the number for the hotline is 240-343-7379. Again, 240-343-7379. And you can actually call that even if the operators went home for the day, you know, at five o'clock. And when they go home, you can still call because we have uh, an answering machine that will catch your calls and you can leave a message on the answering machine and we'll check it the next morning when we come into the office. And, or you could also text kind of like the old telegraphs, but you can do the same thing, but just with text and we'll get those messages. And we do have a text that came in to the hotline. Okay. This is from a listener quote, just listen to y'all. Just listen to y'all episode on quantum spirituality. My mind is fucking uh, blown. This brings... (laughs) This this brings so much more light and tangible reality to who Jesus is and how he operated when he spent his time on this plane. When he did miracles, in quotes, he was just manipulating matter at the quantum matrix level. Thank you for chatting this. Y'all keep doing what you're doing, unquote. Uh, it's so good. So good. Love that. I promise I, that wasn't me who, t- who texted that in. I <laughs> I apologize uh, for the language. I'm sorry that I cussed in that. That's okay. You were just, just reading. reading. You were just reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, I think that actually that episode was pretty awesome. I got to say that was one of my favorite ones in a very long time. And I'm still thinking about it. It's actually is a mind blowing thing. And uh, I, in fact, I was even just looking at a, uh, an article the other day, continuing to dig on this whole quantum thing. And I came across this article about quantum theory and it was a whole bunch of different scientists talking like theologians and philosophers, like they were, because they were looking at this data on the quantum stuff, they were literally saying things like, 
wow, this is really shocking because it, it opens up the possibility of, you know, uh, the human soul and the spiritual realm and, um, you know, it makes sense of spiritual realities. I think these were like major, you know, people with doctorates and, and people who are, who are, you know, studying physics and things like that. And to hear them really just grappling with this, like it, it's, it's really fascinating. It really is an amazing thing. And I think it's going to be a groundbreaking, um, you know, it's just something that, that uh, I think hopefully will bring more science, more science behind the spiritual that, um, now, now I think hopefully people can start taking the spiritual realm much more seriously. Yeah. And for me, it's almost, it's almost like it's, it transcends explaining kind of like God like we can say all we want about God, we can say all we want about quantum theory, but it's like you don't quite understand it, and and our words and our concepts <laughs> never really quite can. And that's where the two kind of tie in together, because like when you talk about God and the love of God and how you know all these things about God, it kind of you know breaks your brain a little bit. But same thing with the quantum world, and so it's like almost both almost both go hand in hand as like transcendental to our human language and our ability to communicate these things. Totally agree. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing that we are having our um, paradigms flipped when it comes to this, you know, even, even though in one level, I think there's a part of us that already knows this, you know, and that's one, that's one of the things I find interesting about truth is like, you don't need beliefs when you know the truth because, um, the truth is not a belief. It's not dependent upon beliefs. Beliefs come and go. Some beliefs can be helpful. They can support uh, the truth and some beliefs are not because they, they go out of alignment with truth. And when I say truth, I'm not talking about laws or anything like that. I'm just talking about, um, you know, I love the New Testament, <clears throat> the Greek word that's often translated as truth, which is another the, another way it can be translated is reality. So it's just like, yeah, this is reality. And when we understand there's something about reality when we when we kind of come around that and we go, Oh yeah, kind of there's somewhere inside of me. I kind of knew that kind of felt it's just, that's why we go. Yes. Usually when somebody's being educated and they, and they have an awakening or epiphany, they go, yeah, it's like, wait, that's an agreement coming from where, you know, and it's deep in the being. And uh, so I, I do think that the more we understand about quantum reality, the more we realize they go, Oh wait. So the physical world is secondary to this immaterial world yeah i kind of knew that oh Mm. and then we so where do you shape it from do you shape it from the physical or from the from the immaterial and uh so that that, then then a lot of things that jesus said was going oh wait he was talking about this Mm -hmm. so good so good yeah and i think actually this topic will dovetail really beautifully into our uh metaphysical topic today but um before that right i think we have a we, we want to spend some time with our Heretic of the Week. It's the Heretic of the Week. Hello, everyone. My name is Kyle Butler, and I am a heretic. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> I hope you appreciate our warm and enthusiastic welcome. Oh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yes. Yeah, so that's how we treat all of our heretics. So, you know, I mean, you're probably used to it, though, right? I'm used to it. <laughs> Been out here for a little while. Yeah, well, good, good. Speaking of, speaking of which, why, why, what we like to ask our first, uh, what we like to ask our guests uh, with our first question is, uh, why in the world would people consider you a heretic? Because I just don't fit in anymore. Uh, the, the 
fundamental Christian dogma that I grew up with, the basic, you know, fundamental core beliefs that um, that I was, you know, ingrained in and indoctrinated with and believed in and preached and taught and the whole nine. I don't believe in any of that stuff anymore. So I'm out here in Heretickville. I'm out here, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, kind of swimming with you guys. And uh, to be quite honest, the water's way better. Oh, yeah. Way, way better. Yeah. No it? real sharks out here. Just, uh, you know, nice, some nice good water. Well, it's always sunny. It's always warm. But see, once in a while, though, some of those evangelical fundamentalist sharks do kind of swim over here to try, take a bite. You know what I mean? Ah, okay. You got you to watch out yeah. for them. Well, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, every so often you, you get one that, you know, kind of surprises you a little bit too, right? Yes. Like, well, wait a minute. Where's that coming from? From you? <laughs> Jeez. My, my, yeah, my thing is usually when it, when it happens on Facebook, my, my first question that pops into my head is usually, why are we friends on Facebook? If <laughs> if you have a problem with what I just said, I, right? Good point. Yeah, <laughs> and then they they probably requested you, right? Right. Yes. No. Usually that's what happens. Yeah, they they request me for some reason, and then next thing I know, they're yeah. like freaking out. Like, so, yeah, Kyle, like, did you not read my page? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know what you thought I was doing here. Um, well, yeah. Kyle, Kyle, I know. Let's get into some specifics. So, like, what are some sure. of the um, Maybe some of the biggest things that you have kind of changed your mind on and deconstructed out of your Christian faith and upbringing that uh, are typically the things that set people off the most. Like when you post certain things uh, on these different topics that people really freak out, or at least maybe in the beginning when you started posting on these things, uh, what are the biggest things that people jump out on? Surprisingly so to me now that I think about it, and you know, I, I, I guess maybe I was always a little shocked and surprised. But when I started getting understanding of even grace back then, 10 years ago, 12 years ago now, um, th there was a major kickback about the grace message. Um, and then as I started understanding unconditional love, like God can really be that loving, that good, that kind, really can't ever be angry or upset or uh, vengeful or wrathful. You know, I got tremendous kickback about that. Well, as I, I kept going down the road here, because, you know, grace kind of led me into unconditional love and unconditional love kind of led me into oneness. And, and somewhere in the, in the unconditional love unveiling, um, you know, hell, the devil, uh, the rapture, um, penal substitutionary atonement, none of those things made any sense to me anymore. Mm -hmm. None of those things matched, looked like, sounded like, felt like love. And I could no longer reconcile this God person that I had grown up believing in, this God that would really much rather hurt you than help you, make you sick than heal you, strike you down financially than financially help you, uh, you know, judge you than, than forgive you. I grew up with that type of God in, in my, um, you know, in the, in the church I grew up with and, and grew up in, and, and that was really a big belief system that I had. And, everything that I had done up until that point of coming to a better understanding of love was really all based out of fear. You know, I ran to the altar at 12 because my God, I didn't want to take the chance of dying at 13 and going to hell. Um, I, I jumped into ministry at 20 years old because my God, I'd always been told, if you don't do what God wants you to do, he'll make you do it. 
And so my two biggest decisions towards God in my life was both fear-based. It was never love. It was never a desire. It was never a willingness. It was never that. It was always fear. And I grew up with this fear-based God that I believed in that, again, would much rather hurt you than help you. And, you know, the way I understood it, he was only concerned about his agenda, his will, his purpose, his, his holiness, his, his uh, ministry getting done, his work getting done. Are you working for the Lord? The mantra was growing up. In. And so, you know, after doing that for years and to be quite honest, the crap just not working. You know, the, what I was told, you just, if you'd be faithful to God, one day he'll be faithful to you. Well, I started waking up. 20 years later, 25 years later, like, okay, well, when is this one day coming? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> never, you know, never. either God is incredibly slow at repayment or I'm, 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 I've been misled. Yeah. So um, love showed me rather quickly that I was just misled. I, I was misinformed. And I'm the kind of person, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and get at it. Right. So when I believe right. God to be that other person, that other character, that other being, well, I rolled up my sleeves and got at it, although it was all fair based and performance based and service based and things like that. Well, when I started, you know, moving away from that and coming into a, a better understanding of God's love, where it wasn't based upon me, it was based upon him, his love for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm at a place now. I don't think God gives two rat droppings if I love him or not. You know, um, and, and kind of, you know, when I got here, I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to stop doing all this stuff. I thought I, it was necessary for me to do it. I'm just going to bask myself in the fact that you love me. And maybe somewhere down this journey, maybe I'll come to love you like I thought I once did. But I realized I was only loving you in that way because I was afraid of you, which wasn't really love at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and, and along the way, again, the, the concept of burning people forever. Okay, now this makes no sense. I can't. And, and it actually started with a, a scenario growing inside of me about a, a, a 16 year old Muslim girl. One day I'm, I'm kind of just meditating and I, I hear this story coming out of me about the 16 year old Muslim girl who grows up in a very loving family. They're good people. She's been a, a good person for all of her 16 years, as far as, you know, the, what we can, what, what, what we call good. She's in a cafe one day doing her homework. Someone walks up to her, hands her a track and says, read this. And, you know, so she glances at it. She flips through it. She, she gets to the end of it. She has these pictures of this, you know, this angel-like person throwing someone in this fire pit. She gets terrified and throws the thing away. Like, oh, God, I don't want anything to do with that. Right. Mm. And a week later, she's walking home from school and she gets hit by a taxi cab and she dies. And I'm, I'm getting all this imagery in my mind and this, this story is like evolving. And then I see this 16-year-old Muslim girl who didn't grow up in a Christian home. She grew up in a Muslim country, a country that was primarily Muslim. They didn't have TBN. They didn't have Christian churches running around. They didn't have all these avenues where the gospel was being spread about. You know, they didn't have this stuff. And, and I saw this 16-year-old precious girl standing in front of the throne and, 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 and God saying, depart from me. I never mm. knew you. Mm. Now go burn. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, how to, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. And I can, <laughs> I can imagine a 16 year old girl having this, this complete like 
just, are you crazy? Are, are you kidding me? I didn't, I didn't even know to know you. How, why would you do this to me? And it just didn't make any more sense to me. And then I just started imagining all of the tons of scenarios just like that. And um, that's really how I, I started deconstructing from the, from the principle of hell. Mm. You know, I didn't have any scriptures or anything. I didn't have what I know now about the, uh, you know, the word hell not, not even being in the scriptures. I didn't even, I didn't know, uh, you know, Gehenna and, and, and Hades and Shoal and, 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 and um, um, you know, the other fourth word I can't call right now. I didn't, I didn't know Tartarus. Yeah, Tartarus. I, you know, Tartarus. I, I didn't know anything about that. Uh, I just knew hell. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I I remember Sheol from reading it in a few Old Testament passages, but you know, you once hell is ingrained in you, you, you just know hell. Right. So, um, you know, it, it was that which really started to break everything down. And not too long after that, the devil went out the window. And as far as being a physical, you know, or literal being, uh, the rapture went out the window. I mean, it just hit me one day for God so loved the world. Why would anybody destroy something they love? Right. That makes no sense. Right. You know, so just these little things that just didn't match love. And I was easily able to throw them away, mostly because I was never really attached to any of these things. I never preached about hell. I never preached about the rapture. I never preached about penal substitutionary atonement. I never preached much about the devil. It's occasional little things here and there, but I was not strongly attached to any of these things. So they were easy to get rid of once love started making sense. Hmm. And what's amazing about that story is it's powerful, Kyle. Um, is that is that your experience in life as just being a human being led you yeah. to where love leads you? It wasn't about yeah. like exegesis or hermeneutics, and right. all those things are fine, but they're but they're secondary because you were just you were just living your life as a person. Like, is this good? Is this what I could call good? Is this right. Muslim sixteen year old girl burning in hell good? And I and I can't say that. And that's what's right. cool about your story is that, and the story of a lot of people, and I think, I think what you're saying will resonate with folks because they have the same experience. Like, I can't call that good and I can no, I no longer find this tenable. Right. Yep. And we'll deal yeah, with that's... the, we'll, we'll deal with the Bible later, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. Exactly. You know, I would hear some, I would hear stuff from the inside of me. I, I didn't, I didn't have a scripture to back any of it up. I mean. Way back to the grace days, um, you know, I, I remember one day hearing, um, you know, son, when are you going to trust what, what I've already placed inside of you? You know, and, 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 and I'm trying to connect the dots here. But as I went down the road, I, I would just hear stuff inside and say, okay, I'm going to roll with that. You know, and it was always at a moment, too. I always had a decision to make. Every time I heard something that totally violated what I thought I understood, I just had to make a decision. You know, it, it really became that for me. What am I going to do here? Am I going to hold on to this, which never really brought me any peace, love, joy, happiness, or life? Or I'm going to go with this, because this sounds a lot better. And I just decided to go with this. That sounded a lot better. And sometimes weeks later, or maybe a month later, sometimes two months later, I would run into someone like Keith, who posts a, a, you know, a blog about why hell makes no sense and have all the scriptures and breakdowns and words and definitions. And I go, aha, see, I knew it. Now here's my proof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it's so, I love, I love what Matt's saying though. I mean, it is amazing that, um, cause I, I mean, at least I, I, I think I arrived at some of my, um, because through, I went through my deconstruction 
probably wrestling more with like, well, does the Bible really say that? And so that's how, that's why I'm writing blogs about these things. Cause I, I'm, I'm trying to process it. And there probably is something in the back of my mind, like you're saying, Kyle, where I, there's something in me is saying, I don't think that makes sense. And then I'll go and dig it up and really start looking at it. That's what li- leads me to do it. And then I go, Oh my God, mm-hmm. this isn't what I thought. But what I love is that you just bypass that completely. You just say, you know what? It's enough to say that's dumb and that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I just don't need yeah. to believe it because it doesn't make sense, because it doesn't resonate with what I believe in my heart of hearts, you know, yeah. is like, who is God? And if God is, a, right. is an Abba, he's a loving father. If I believe that that is the core, you know, if that is my core truth, the, 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 the foundation for everything I'm going to say that I believe, well, then everything, I, it better flow from that and make sense with that. Because if it doesn't, yeah. uh, I should right. cross it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what what happens, and and, and it still happens every day for me. You know, I, I just get a thought, and I'll, I'll meditate on it for a few minutes, and if it doesn't doesn't make any sense, and you know, the, the the further you move away from these these doctrines, these principles, you know, eternal conscious torment, penal substitutionary atonement, uh, uh, you know, a, an apocalyptic world ending murder streak that you know, suppose it's going to happen in, you know, in time. Mm-hmm. The, the further you move away from these things, every part of the story just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, you know, it, and I, I, you know, I grew up with the Bible. I grew up with scripture. I pastored for many years. I mean, everything that I was ever taught was, hey, you get into that word and you study that word. And I have the lexicons and the ordinances and the, the, the study guides and the commentaries and you know I've, I've laid on the bible and lay in the bible for hours on top of hours trying to dig and discover and understand it and all those kind of things i get a headache sometimes and close the book and say god i don't understand any of this and please show me and there were actual times i thought god showed me something but most of the time as i look back on it now objectively most of the time it was just me finding a topic getting a commentary, getting someone else's opinion, right, and then running with that. That's what it really was most of the time. That's what it means to be a yeah. pastor. What are you talking about? That's Pastor yeah. 101. You know, and I know, <laughs> yeah. And I know that can trouble a lot of people, and I don't know if people are really willing to be honest about it. You know, I, I got a lot of things I thought God was showing me at the time, but I realized it was just me doing studies, you know? Yeah. Me going from scripture to scripture saying, ah, okay, I see that now, Lord, thank you. And I'd write a scripture down and say, I thought I saw something there. Maybe I did, perhaps. But, um, you know, when I look back on it now, my my relationship with scripture is far different than it used to be. I can't say I ever, I, you know, if I'm totally open, I, I can't say I ever loved the scriptures. Scriptures to me was a chore. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I was a kid, before I can go outside, I had to read my Bible. So it was, it was a chore to me. Uh, yeah. When I when I got into ministry, the pastor who was my mentor, you know, all he did was read the word and study the word. And he stressed this. And the first thing he said, you young men, go get you a skull field. Okay, so we went and got the Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I had a, I had a jerk re- reflexive reaction to the word Schofield. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, you know, it was it was more chore to me. It was, okay, have I read my Bible this week? How much time have I read it this week? Okay, God, I know you're acquiring more of me. You need more from me. I got to do more. So, you know, I never I never loved the scriptures that way. So, again, it was it was easy for me to look at them now, or it's, or it's easy for me to look at them now very objectively. And if I don't see love in something, I'll discard it in half of a second. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I don't care who said it. I don't care who wrote it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm I'm okay with that. I know that troubles people when they hear me say that. But you know, um, you know, Keith, you did a blog. Something you wrote about the, you know, um, there are several books that were not written by Paul. Mm-hmm. Now, some people might think, oh my God, you know, this guy's starting trouble. Why is he, you know, saying this stuff? What a troublemaker! Da 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 da. I I I look at stuff like that. I say I love it. I absolutely love stuff like that. I mean, that, that ex- when I saw that, I I was super extra excited. <laughs> Mostly because I just want people to consider that maybe what we're reading isn't actually like it was actually maybe not said exactly this way. Yes. I mean, you know, I lived for 10 years while I was in the word of faith thought process and, and, and behavior. I lived for 10 years on a verse, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I lived on that verse. I depended on that verse. I I spoke that verse with great faith and great anticipation for something to happen. And then one day, years later, after I woke up out of that delusion, I heard, why, are you do, why do you expect me to, to honor someone else's words? Mm. Oh, uh, oh, what? <laughs> and, and it just like ping, ping, ping. Like Paul said that. Yeah. I don't know why he said that. I have no idea why he said that. I mean, he said that one place and another place he's talking about he knows what it's like to be without. Right. But what, is, what the heck is he talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And here I had built my whole life for 10 years struggling you know, dealing with lack, dealing with all kinds of shortages because I was waiting for God to fulfill his word because his word could not return to his own boy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, so I, I just want people to consider, look, you can have scripture and you can hold them dear to your heart, but just what if what you think they mean, it doesn't mean that at all. Right. So, hey, Kyle, you've got some great stuff. I and mean, then you and I have talked before. Uh, and I, I want to have a chance to kind of pick your brain a little bit because I I, uh, I know that one of the things you love talking about and it was like a real personal um, revelation for you uh, was this idea of oneness. So I, yeah. if you can tell us a little bit about that and and you know what you discovered about oneness and how it's changed the way you know you relate to God and other people and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, growing up in a, a a very strict denomination, the Pentecostal holiness denomination, according to uh, my my predecessors, who I love and I, I respect dearly, and I, you know, I cherish the moments that I had with them and the time I had with them. But according to them, which I picked up later on, we were the only church that had it. We were it. I mean, no one else had anything. Uh, no one else had the anointing. No one else had the Holy Ghost. No one had anything. It was us. We were the premier, premier of all the churches in our area. Right. No one could sing like we sing and dance the way we sang, dance and pray the way we prayed and fast the way we, I mean, it was all about us. So I grew up in this culture where it was us versus them. You leave this 
this church, you look outside and you see all of these vents, you know, these outcasts, these, 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 these wretched, no good, dirty sinners, these people on their way to hell. You don't really care anyway. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you're just concerned about your own self, really. And um, so that, that, that grew in me. And as I grew up and got into ministry, and it was always only about us, what was happening in these four walls. And a few times we'd fellowship with other churches, it'd be about them only in that moment. But, you know, so as um, the, the revelation of, of, of love started growing inside of me, and it became such an overwhelming understanding of just how greatly and deeply and passionately and, and, and intimately we are loved. And, and I could not any longer see that love just being part of a certain group of people. I started looking out into my community and, and people that I had rejected in my mind and, and ostracized and, and wanted no parts of. I live, you know, and, and when I'm in Jersey, it's, it's a very urban area, very, you know, certain parts of the city you can walk down and, and see prostitution and people that are strung out on drugs and, and there's tons of, you know, corner liquor stores all over. So you, you see all this stuff that you, you were taught to despise and look at these people with great, great, um, great disdain. But mm. as this revelation of love started growing, I can no longer see anyone outside of this love. Mm. I, I couldn't see this person anymore. So now when I'm walking down the street, I'm starting to tell myself to get rid of my old way of thinking. I, I started looking at people that I would once reject and, and, and vilify, I, I started saying, highly beloved, and highly beloved of the Father, just like I am. Highly yes. beloved of the Father, just like I am. And, and then that started growing. And then it wasn't too long after that that I started realizing that there's no human being that has ever lived, will ever live, and that's alive today that does not have the breath of God inside of them. There's yep. only one source of life. There's no other source of life. No, there's no other possible way anything can be alive outside of God. And if God breathed life into them, breathed life into us, and will breathe life into all that will ever be, then we're all one with God. Many may not be aware. Uh, many may call it something different, but mm-hmm. it doesn't change the fact that we all are. And I, I've got some serious questions as to the story that we have and i'm wondering if if everything could have been so easily fixed with humanity if we had just been told we were loved by love we're accepted by love and that's it mm-hmm. you know we didn't we didn't need all this other stuff that came about yeah, you know, if this if this message is, uh, I, I mean, for me, I can speak for me. I know someone walked up to me and, and just told me, "Hey, you're loved by love, and you're accepted by love." Because inside of me, I just, I, I, I think everyone just wants to connect with that source of their origin. They, they want to feel that peace and that okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't see. I can't see it any other way. I can't see it any other way than we're one with God. We possess all that God is. The consciousness of God is our consciousness. We're growing in it. We're, 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 we're awakening to more and more of it all the time. But it, it, it's, it's, it, to me, it's just there's no other way. Yeah, yeah and once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right, right. 
You know, it's like a lot of people, I, I'm sure you get this. I get it. Keith gets it on social media and elsewhere on blogs and, and what have you, where it's like, well, you need to repent. You need to go back. You need to do this. You back. It's like, but, <laughs> but once I see something, I know I saw, right. I can't go unsee that. And I cannot, I can't, I mean, I literally can't, like I could try, I could fake it, but in yeah. my heart of hearts, in my soul, like I would, I can, you can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. And why would yeah. you? Why would you? Once you see, well, you just well, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, really, exactly. But it's, but it's like people that want you to kind of like, well, hold on, brother, you change your mind. Let me, let me t t show you this scripture or that verse, or don't forget the wrath <laughs> of God or whatever. It's like, you know, man, I am immune to that stuff now. This stuff just wa just totally. watches right off of me and means nothing, because you know the idea of like, oh, God's going to judge you. You know what? To be judged by absolute, pure, uh, unending love, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool. I'm cool yeah. with that. I need I'm, it. I probably need. I probably need some of that. You know? Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm so good with that. No problem with that at all. Yeah, but see, it's such a. I mean, gosh, Kyle, just hearing you talk about it, it's like it's so good and so beautiful and so simple. And everything you just said is in the scripture. This is what is said in the gospel. And yeah, you know, right. we don't see in the Book of Acts the apostles running around threatening people with wrath and and hellfire <laughs> and torture, right? Right. We see right. Paul standing up in Athens in front of these idol worshiping pagans and saying, "Hey, by the way, you're the children of God, and God loves you, and yeah. He blesses you, and He and He does this because He hopes that you'll turn and see Him and know Him, this unknown yeah. God, right, who loves you." Like, holy moly! I want I want these guys yeah. with the megaphones to stand up uh, and start saying that. Like, give me that because that would be awesome. I, I really wish we would yeah. get excited, as excited about yeah. that message. Everyone is loved. Everyone is radically, completely loved and treasured and valued and, and accepted like it or not. I don't care if you believe it. I don't care if you like it T tough. You're loved. You're accepted. That's it. And yeah. my gosh, I mean, uh, I just think, why are we, we're more afraid of that. You know, yeah. that, that seems yeah. to be such a, such a scary, radical, controversial thing. Like, yeah, yeah. God's not that good. I mean, he's good, but he's yeah. not that good. He can't be that good. Right. Um, yeah, it's really weird to me that we that Christians of all people seem to be the most immune to this idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really good stuff, Kyle. We really appreciate um, you coming on. I think I think what you're saying is really going to resonate with our listeners. So, bravo and thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks so it's much, been, Kyle. It's been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, man. So, um, hey, right. if anybody wants to. Uh, to follow you or keep up with you, where can they find you? Well, Facebook is my main platform right now. I, I just seem to really enjoy using Facebook. Uh, I'm more comfortable there. So just Kyle Butler on Facebook. Um, and I, I do have YouTube channels. That, that's just Kyle Butler as well. You can find me on YouTube. I have a website, kylelbutler.com. If you go to kylelbutler.com, there's some, some, some stuff out there. I got to update some things. But most important, you can get to all my links. So you can get to my Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, it'll take you right there. And you can you know, send a firm request or whatever you want to do at that point. But uh, I'd love to connect with you. Um, you know, the only thing I really passionately believe as far as these connections that we have is that I'm going to respect you where you are. And I'm just going to ask that you respect me where I am. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey man, let it count. We all, we all, we all can get on board with that. We all need more of that, you know. Yes, yes we do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, all right man. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Kyle. Thanks.
Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you, too. Oh, yeah. Kyle. Kyle Butler, man. Just one of the most encouraging. Um, just I love being around him. I just love talking to him. He's a, he just he's a really inspiring guy. I really love Kyle. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and he made for a great episode. And, he, it, you know, I think it's beautiful that what he was talking about is something we can talk about today. You know, I just I just wish you guys would have let me contribute to that conversation. Shots fired. <laughs> Over the bow. <laughs> just kidding. I wasn't I wasn't able to participate. But thank you, Kyle, for being our, our heretic of the week. Appreciate that. Yeah. So let's let's get into it. Let's let's wrap up this um this metaphysical series with a bow. And uh, let's let's bring it home for everyone and talk about aliens. The <laughs> Fuck you, Keith. That's <laughs> <Isn't> you're gonna <laughs> wait. Wait, isn't this aliens? I thought this was aliens. No, it's always with aliens with you, man. I just thought. Well, no, we're not talking about. Ah, oh, damn it. No. Okay. Well, we might be. It depends on what the self is, because we're going to be I talking can... about the self. We're going to be talking about what is that, and maybe we're aliens, and maybe, maybe you'll can... you'll try yeah. to. Yeah, shove that in there. But. I'll steer it in. I'll kind of see if I can steer us in that direction. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so no, sorry. It is the self. You're right. It is the self. What is the self? What does it mean to be human? What is the self? Soul? What do we even mean by that? Um, kind of feel like this is another one of those Jamal episodes where Jamal's <laughs> going to have something to say. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is my favorite subject. I thought, really? Wait, 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 wait. Quantum. I thought quantum was. I thought Mary Magdalene was. Wasn't it Mary Magdalene? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Isn't it? I thought it was near-death experience. Isn't that really is your favorite one? Well, that too. See, they're they're all intertwined in this one. <clears throat> they're all intertwined. So um, yeah, this is really good. Like the self, you know. Um, it is a it is a fantastic concept um it also it was very taboo in christian circles because um you know the self has been demonized and not only that we've been i feel like not only has the self been demonized but we've just been the self has been made so small that it's like well that's just something that we need to die to you know and so even the language that's used in the in the what's commonly referred to as the bible um is not helpful because there is a lack uh, lack of understanding uh, about what the self is, and, be, and so, you know, you know, and there's reasons for that which I want to get into. But I was always taught, and I don't know about you guys. Maybe you guys can agree with this. I was always taught that I am me, and by me I mean my body. So I'm Jamal, and um, I have this body, and inside my body lives my soul, and the soul or my spirit lives inside my body. Depending on who you're talking to, some people believe in this body, soul, spirit. Some people believe in just physical immaterial, which is body, soul. Either way, um, I was always taught that that spiritual entity lives inside of my body. And then when I die, it's like a little butterfly. It just kind of escapes the cocoon of my body and flies away. And um, that is part of the problem. Into the arms of Jesus, though. That's right. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, and then, you know, kind of catches us and then we go floating up somewhere. And that's what I was always taught. Um, But obviously we, because of the breakthroughs in quantum, quantum uh, physics, we recognize that there is no body to live inside of. That's an illusion. (laughs) 
it's just energy. But, so but, we it's do, like, but we do have bodies. I mean, so we're not saying do. that we, we, we actually do have bodies. It's just that we are not our bodies. Well, we have our body in one level in, in one. I mean, I, in, at one sense, there is a body, but if it isn't really there, like, like if you look at it, like just like anything, no matter exists as it, as it is, you know, it's not solid, even though it does have a solid appearance and, and we can touch it and it feels solid at, at the actual level of, of existence. It is just simply energy. Um, but I do understand what you're saying. We do have a, of a human body and we have organs that does function a certain way, according to certain patterns. And yeah, yeah. totally get that. But does the spirit exist in the body? And that's a real question. Um, and I think that's actually where we're getting that, why it's so difficult for Christians to understand not only God, but also self, because we have such a misconception of the way, the fabric of reality. Like we, and, and when people say my soul lives in my body, it's another way to say the physical world is primary and the spiritual world is secondary. Cause I wouldn't say the soul lives in the body. I would say the body lives in the soul or the spirit. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you like clarified that because I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be like too dualistic and say that the body doesn't actually exist because in one way maybe it doesn't but it in a, in another way it's entirely real. But yeah, I think you're right that that we have things backwards and act as if the soul lives inside the body, but I don't I don't think that's true. I mean, not for nothing, but we say my body, meaning like our body is kind of it's almost like our body needs to exist or our body exists because there's a soul, not necessarily our soul exists because there's a body. So like you said, the right. soul is, is almost primary and the body is secondary, but at the same time, like, I don't even know if I want to split it up like that because, you know, as Richard Rohr would say, everything belongs and, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's a reason the body and that's a good thing. It's not necessarily like, Oh, it doesn't, it's not, a, it doesn't exist. It's, um, I think that's a, you know, we wouldn't want to swing the t- pendulum too far. Right, right. I think, I think, you know, great point. The body is, and that's been a problem within traditional religion for a long time, totally. a, dis- yeah. a, a disregard of the, of the body as being profane and, um, and being something like less than. And so I think that is a real problem for sure. But uh, what's important, I think what's important to realize is that the reason that we, we want to dis disassociate from the body as identifying with the body is because it, we can wake up to who we are. Um, and that's why I think a lot of Christians or, or even just, I don't, don't want to single out Christians, but I, I just people in the world in general um, are not aware of who they are, of their, of their person, of their essence. And if you see your, if you're primarily body identified, the body is the form. It's the metaphor. I always look at the physical body as a metaphor. It's following a pattern. Of you know it's it's giving expression of our of our self, but the self is not physical. The self is immaterial. You know the physical is is temporary. The physical will not you know it has a form and it it'll dissipate. It'll go away. It will not stay forever. And that's why there's it's such existential crisis. You know um, in this world because we're so identified. And obviously when there's you know, understandably so when there's health issues or when there's, you know, death and these different things, it can really throw us for a loop because it does challenge like, well, who are we and what is this? And, um, that's why I think it's important to come awake to the self because until we, um, and that's what I think is often, you know, when people talk about dying to the self, 
it's not the self they're dying to. It's the non-self they're dying to. And I, I would love to rewrite the Bible and be like, hey, get it right. It's not the self. It's the non-self. You are dying to the 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 identification of to all of the story, which is not you. Yeah. You know, and I, I think um I totally agree with what you're saying, which is one of those crazy things that happen sometimes. But I'm I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I think though, um, it could be like it so I know you're you're kind of quoting or referring to uh, you know the scripture that talks about denying yourself. And I don't think that because Jesus says that. So it's not I don't think what Jesus is saying is deny your spiritual uh identity. I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think it's more in the context of there is a part of you that isn't Christ-like. And what you need to do is deny that part of you that isn't Christ-like, and you need to embrace the part of you that is. Right. And I I think this thing gets into more of like um maybe some mimetic you know, stuff we've talked about before about like, because mm. I think in essence, right, we, we mimic the behaviors of other people, Gerard talks about, um, and usually to destructive and violent means or ends. And so Jesus is wanting us to say, look, I want you to, um, if you're going to, if you're going to mimic someone, if you're going to uh, follow someone, follow me, because I'm someone who isn't that way. And I, and by doing that, you can become someone who is others focused and who is more uh, in tune with the sort of Christ identity. That you that you have, but you're not aware of it because you, no one's shown it to you. No one's made you aware of it. Hmm. And probably because people are identified with that, which is not them. Like like the Christ identity is us. You know, we right. are we are the Christ. So it's like that's who we are. You know, at the ethnic. So thank you. Yeah, Christ <laughs> Christ is in us, right? Christ is no, no, in no, no, us, no. right? Christ is us. So here, here's the reason that that's so hard to grasp. I, and I, I, I don't think it's just semantics. Christ is not in us in the same, in the way that, you know, like I used to believe my soul, my soul was in my body. Cause that's how we're taught Our my soul is in my body. So I am in my body and therefore Christ lives in me, but it's, I get the language, but I, the, one of the things, and this is what I, I lament if I lament anything about history, but I'm learning from it. But one of the things that I think is really tragic, it, we don't, we're missing a voice in traditional Christian antiquity about this, about this very concept. Okay. And the voice we're missing is Mary Magdalene's voice. I'm, I'm being very, very serious about this. We're missing, we are missing her voice because I believe she got this uh, better in a way that was unique. Uh, because of her relationship with Jesus, she got this and she taught on it. She had a very uh, robust understanding that the the wider Christian community, and it was prevalent. It wasn't like it wasn't prevalent. It was prevalent until the fourth century in lots of circles. And of course, it became illegal um, post fourth century to have this kind of thinking. Um, but it w- in Christian circles, this was understood, um, not by the disciples, particularly the male disciples, but she got it. So I, I want to, if it'd be okay, I'd love to share a scripture about oh, that. Jamal. If I could Jamal that. quoting the Bible. Oh no, you're going Gnostic, aren't you? Yeah, go for it, man. This is the gospel of Mary. Yes. It's gotta well, be, it's gotta be Gnostic. It was a, I'm just, what I'm quoting from you is one of the earliest. Uh, it is, it is one of the earliest Christian writings uh, circulated uh, in many, many, many communities and regurgitated in many, many communities and, you know, prior to the fourth century. Okay. So uh, quote, I'll just quote, it says, Peter said to Mary, sister, we know that the Savior loved you more than 
the rest of women. Tell us the words of the Savior, which you remember, which you know, but we do not, nor have we heard them. And Mary answered and said, what is hidden from you? I will proclaim to you. And then she does. She goes on to talk um, at length uh, about a lot of different things. And then Peter, one of the other disciples spoke up and then Peter kind of responded. And then he says, eventually, uh, he questioned them about the Savior. And he says, did he really speak privately with a woman and not openly to us? Are we to turn about and all listen to her? And did he prefer her to us? And of course, what what that is is ego. And of course, this was understood. This is not and like, it's and it's and it's sexist as fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's actually yeah. but, but see you know, what he so it, it Peter doesn't look good in our 21st century, 22nd, you know, 21st century world, you know. Um, he doesn't look too well there. But this was actually very, very common thought. Oh, sure. Day, obviously, yeah. because patriarchal society. But totally. and, and of course, this isn't the that's not the only place that that division is shown. There's many, many other writings in which this is well known. This this controversy between Mary Magdalene and Peter was was well known in lots of uh, early Christian circles um, in the first and second century, all the way up to the fourth century. So this wasn't like news to a lot of people that there was this conflict here. But one of the things that Mary goes into depth with in, in her teaching, it was um, she, so there's this rumor that she was possessed by seven demons. Okay. Where does that come from? Actually comes from uh, an obscure passage in Luke. And of course, Gregory, the Pope, Pope Gregory in the fifth century, I believe kind of in his homily, uh, really twisted that created some fiction around that basically saying she was the penitent prostitute that was possessed by seven demons, total fiction. What is meant by that, which she explains and which people who were influenced by her, communities that were influenced by her teaching understood this, these seven demons, so to speak, which was put was the seven stages of the ego, the self, the false self, what is commonly understood as the flesh, which is incorrect. That word is incorrect. So these were egoic uh, misperceptions because of blindness to our true identity, our true Christ nature. These are these seven stages of ego, which has been developed, you know, in, in modern psychology. We understand these, um, but she understood it and and had been freed from it herself because of her close relationship with Jesus. And she was saying, "Look, this is why this is so hard." So when you get free from your identification from these egoic stages of existence, you can then see for yourself that the nature of Christ is within you. That it, it as you, it, and then we don't look to another for that nature. We don't make an idol out of some some person outside of us, or even some. And this is why I feel like traditional Christianity has has totally missed the mark. They demonize the flesh because of a poor understanding of that, or not complete. I want to say poor. I say not complete understanding. And not only that, they all then want to look back to Jesus and even make the Jesus idol. So Jesus becomes this extraordinary figure that we now we look to as and, and refer to as the Christ, as if that's the Christ, soul Christ out there. And we don't realize like, no, 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 Jesus came to reveal true humanity and to understand humanity is to understand yourself is the divine self and you're having a human experience. But Jesus is the God man, not because he was the only God man, but because he's the, the revelation that we are all this person, but you have to get out of ego identification to get that. And Mary got it and taught it. And it was a flavor of Christianity until the fourth century. So is there, yeah. was there, did I miss it? I, I mean, I, I was expecting you to read either a quote from Mary about the self or about 
Christ being us or something. Was is there a quote about that? Oh, there's a lot, a lot in her teachers that talk about the, the essence, the, the, the new humanity. It's when you get into the, like some of her teaching and of um, breaking down the Greek word that's used, it's literally, the, it, it's the word that we refer to as, um, as human. It's like literally Jesus taught us how to be a new human, but there's not, none of this emphasis on denial of ourself. So we can emphasize another, which would be Jesus. That's not, you would not get that from her from her um, flavor of Christianity. So there's a lot of that. That's why I think the self, this idea of self is so misunderstood um, within traditional Christian, you know, conversations is because the self has been demonized. And of course, I don't think there's a, a, an understanding of like, look, the, the flesh, what the, the language that's used in a lot of Paul's terminology. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, but it's, um, I don't still don't think that there's a, a high enough grasp on the Christ nature as being our nature. We still see it as Jesus nature. And that, that dichotomy leads to the idolatry that we call Christianity. That's why it's built on his teachings. It is not, it is not Christian in the sense that it represents Jesus teachings, but it is how, I mean, why do you think the state church included Paul's letters as the bedrock of their, of their, of their fourth century book called the Bible? Because they didn't understand them. Well, I don't know that they understood. Maybe they did. Maybe they understood. If you take one aspect of it, it becomes lopsided. It becomes they can build their case using his letters. I don't think you can do that with Mary's letters. I just in his her writings, like all the even what's built as the Gnostic Gospels, which were there were no such thing as Gnostic Gospels. There were no such categorization. That was a fourth century categorization. These were Christian writings. Early Christian writing. Well, no, I I agree with you that, that I mean there I, I I would agree with you in that they should be included in terms of understanding our Christian writings if we're going to call ourselves Christians. Totally right. Um, and, and I and I could see where uh, the many reasons why they would not include them in the canon. Um, you know, but I I think I, I you know it depends. I, I I think I think she probably is on to some things definitely. And, and and she was silenced for for reasons that are are horrible, obviously. And but I'm but I'm kind of there. I'm kind of there where where I don't think Jesus wanted to become an idol. I no. do think Jesus wanted to teach us a way of being human and to understand that, you know, he's not going to sit there and say, "I'm the Christ and you're not." I, I honestly think Jamal. I, maybe I'm agreeing with you too. That Christ would say, "I'm the Christ, and, and and you are you are the Christ too," because He calls us brother and sister. Totally. So whatever we want to say about Jesus, whatever we want to say about Christ, just by His own terms, we are siblings. That to me is like the, one of the biggest things. Like, I how can I differentiate my sibling in terms of something that I'm not? I, I don't know if I can. Right. Yeah. And actually, I would say in defense of some of, especially like to me when I read Ephesians and Colossians, which is where I think we find. The, I mean, really, it's where I think those those two uh, epistles, probably not written by Paul historically, um, but by someone else. But that, but neither here nor there. I, I, I think, regardless of that, I still think these are uh, writings that are inspired and that we should take seriously. And and those two books together, um, I think, express some of this Christology that I think is in alignment with what you're saying, uh, uh, Jamal. That. Because uh, I mean, there's there's one place where it goes. It says something phenomenal, right, about how all the fullness of the Godhead uh, existed in in Christ in bodily form, 
And that's in, I believe that's in uh, Colossians. And then in Ephesians, playing off that same idea, it actually says that we are filled with the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so this idea of like, okay, if, if all of God is contained in, in Christ, and now we are also filled with this same God presence, exactly the same as Christ was, um, like I do think it's, it's pushing that idea farther that Christ is in everyone in this amazing way. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I guess I don't agree. And you and I, gosh, Jamal, we've been around this thing a thousand <laughs> times, but um, <laughs> we're always going to come back down to th- those, those simple little arguments, but I, I want to stay on the, on the argument of the self, right? So mm-hmm. I think we would agree. And I think, again, I think the way you and I get here is different, but I think we would agree that yes, at the, at the end of the day, the self that we are describing um, is there, there is, you know, Christ, right? That, that we are the incarnation of Christ in the world today. Uh, and I think well, we would agree on that. Yeah, yeah. It just depends on what we mean by Christ, you know? So I, I think, I think um, the reason I I'm, I'm emphatic on Mary Magdalene's hermeneutic, because I don't think you can understand the heart of Jesus message apart from her hermeneutic, which I don't think is contained in the New Testament that we have today. So I think we get around. I think it would be much if we had Mary's hermeneutic, we could understand Paul and some of the other epistles um, without such carnage that we've had. Um, and I and that's that, that's the the tragic piece here. But thankfully, that her hermeneutic is not missing, and it does. It is you know it's been around and it's. Even in the last 100, 150 years, is coming back around. Um, even in, and I think we're ready for it as a humanity. Just my own personal understanding. But I, my my, I, I really do think that when we talk about the, um, there's still a Christianity has been a dualistic religion in the sense of dual a dual tradition where we see God and then we see people and there's a dualist dualism there. And in the East, uh, that understanding is just self, you know. Um, in some Hindu traditions, I mean, they would call that, uh, you know, Brahman, you know, or just the ultimate self, the essence, you know, cosmic consciousness, however you want to put that. But in quantum science, which we've been talking about, you know, there's only one unified field that, which in which all matter and all energy comes from. And ultimately, that is who we are, that we are that unseen field. We are the consciousness. So, we have a form and we have expression and we have a story in this life, but that we already know that's not us. That's a temporary form that we're, that we're participating, we're playing along. We're going, yeah, okay. I have this identity here in this world, but I recognize, so even, even Jesus did this. Who is he? Is he, is he the guy born, you know, of Mary and Joseph and brother Nazareth and that whole deal? And he, no, he refer- he referenced himself beyond that. And I think that's the, mo- that's what we get to do. He's an example for us. Um, but how do you get to the point where you go before Abraham was born? I am. Can you say that? I can say that. I mean, can, it, how do you get to that place? You have to not, you have to come away from ego identification and, and identification with the self. That's not like, that's not something other than us. It, it's Jesus wasn't referencing Christ in him. He was referencing himself. And I think it's the same with us. He's not, so, you know, it wasn't like Christ in Jesus. It was just him. Um, and then it's just us. And that is the Christ. Cause there's how many selves are there 
ultimately how how many unified fields are there? How many how many states of consciousness are there? There's just really one ultimate consciousness in which is being expressed in many, in a myriad of different forms. And I, I know that's obviously not the Christian tradition, but I don't think you would have this dualistic tradition that's become Christianity had we really had Mary's voice in the formation of the way, um, which we did have it actually pre- previous to the fourth century. So the I fourth think that, century has re, redrawn the maps. Well, I think the Buddha, the Buddha understood this too. Uh, the Buddha would never call himself the only Buddha. Like we are all little Buddhas. Um, there's a great quote. I forget who said it. Like if, if someone, if you see someone that claims to be the Buddha, kill him. Um, because meaning like we kill the ego we we understand that to say i am the the buddha capital t like we need to die to that um grasping and and i think to understand that we are all the buddha we are all the christ um that's our true nature there's different language to say it but it says the same thing and i know that's a lot of heresy there but um i'm kind of there now and what if, what if that's the conversation we're all having? What if that's the conversation Buddha's having? Like it's, I think the 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 in the, the tragedy has been we see you know it's become, you know, classified as a sectarian. That's East and that's West, or that's Christian, that's Hindu, that's that's uh, that's New Age. That's not. It's like no no. no they're, they're, that's the lab- The labeling is the problem. This is this is the same conversation Jesus is having. So there's only one conversation. I think Jesus and Buddha. These aren't two different. If as long as he's not a you know a captain for his religion, where he's he's at, you know he's recruiting for his movement, you know once you take that hat off and go, oh, okay, now we can have the conversation. It's the same conversation, you know. Um, it's uh, it's this conversation of what is ultimate self, you know, um, and ego. Understanding like okay, ego. There is an ego. There is a construct of self. A lot of that is formed out of a misunderstanding of self, which creates trauma, which creates um, misconception. What, what, what Paul would refer to as the deeds of the flesh. Again, he should be called deeds of the ego. If we could rename it that, you know, uh, Paul's using the best language he had at, you know, his, his, his understanding at that time. But I mean, deeds of the ego. Um, yeah. The, okay. There's lots of deeds of the ego. There's seven of them actually, according to Mary Magdalene, which would be helpful for us to know that these, in, in these days. Cool. So you agree, Keith, you're all, you're on board. You're all there. Um, well, no, <laughs> I'm I'm just kind of like, well, you know, it's like, uh, I know we've just been around on this so many times, but I I will say though, that, um, because I have, uh, been wrestling with Jamal on this issue for over a year, at least, uh, specifically, I actually have changed my mind on some things. Like, so the, the, the process for me of wrestling through this question, I mean, I've, uh, I've gone from saying, um, you know, Christ is not in everyone. Christ is only in certain people to saying, well, no, Christ is in everyone actually. Uh, and I would now I would say that, whereas I wouldn't have said that before. Um, and I think I would have said before that I believe that everyone, um, that that we are an incarnation of Christ in the world today. Uh, but I think I understand that in a, in a deeper way now than I did before. So I appreciate the conversation. I actually do appreciate, uh, you know, the ideas and wrestling with these things. And, and it's, it's been a good thing for me to wrestle with it. So I appreciate it. I'm just not quite on the same page with Jamal on that, but that's, that's cool. That's what I love about this podcast. We don't have to all agree. We can all share our different ideas and, and, uh, and let, let the listeners decide. Yeah. And, and what, and also just to piggyback off that, like, I honestly don't think I agree with episode one, Matt. 
and because I might be more where you're at, and now I'm more where Jamal's at, and right. and, and I, yeah, but I, I I like about this show is that we we can chronicle our journey and think like if I thought if I had the self in episode one and I was going to talk about it, I'd probably say something a lot different than talking about you know like Jamal the Brahman or the fact that we're all little Buddhas or the Bodhisattva, which I talk about in my new book. <laughs> Like I wouldn't be talking about that in 2017, 2016. When we started this, um, but you know, you can kind of chronicle your journey and disagree with yourself. Totally. And that's the thing because because we're not attached to to right. what we believe or what we think the self is. We're not attached to any belief. Like it's just you know that's that's a part of the journey too. But it's not who we are. Totally. Yeah. And and I do think Christianity's gotten a bad rap. Um, you know, even like if I'm talking to somebody who's in the East, you know, Eastern tradition and they don't, they don't, you know, they're obviously not that they, if somebody is like, got some disdain for Christianity, I go, you know, I get it. And, um, when you buy into fourth century Christianity, which we all have, I mean, that's what we're, that's the Bible we have fourth century Bible, fourth century Christianity. But when you start telling people there was a robust Christianity prior, prior to the fourth century that included all of the stuff that we're we're, we're attributing to, uh, Buddhism, you know, and some of these more developed, uh, traditions, which are beautiful and have their place in the world. But, but there, there are whole streams of thought attributed more to Mary's teaching, Mary, the closest disciple, the apostle of the apostles, which we know the, it's interesting. It's fascinating to me that in the first and second centuries, we can trace back lineage folks in Egypt and, um, whole Coptic communities and even going off into Europe and people who, go, you know, first, second centuries that can trace their spiritual lineage to her and had this understanding. And you just, it, it vanished fourth century. And I just find that to be fascinating. Like, oh my goodness, like, what would that be like? What would the, and, and what can we do in this next age with that understanding um, and understanding that the teachings of Jesus are very relevant when we understand uh, the container um, that they came in? So it's just, um, it's beautiful to me. It's, it's, it's redeeming to Christianity, even though I don't claim to be a Christian simply because what most people refer to as Christianity is fourth century and beyond Christianity. But I could claim to be a Christian if it included Mary Magdalene's hermeneutic. And uh, yeah. because that's, uh, that's not a sect or a religion. It's just a new humanity. Yeah. So let's, let's, um, let's, let's stop right there. And we'll keep this conversation going, of course, for our Patreon supporters, but Keith's going to get to that. But for now, we're going to cut off this conversation. I'm going to tell all of our listeners to make sure you check out our website. We've got some new merch, a couple new t-shirts. You're going to want to get that. You're also going to want to join our Facebook group, sign up for Patreon first, and then join the Heretic Happy Hour uh, Facebook group and the Heresy After Hours Facebook group. And let's keep this conversation going. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned Patreon because um, that's where we have got so much more fun, extra, extra fun, like cool stuff over there, bonus episodes, bonus interview footage, um, just all kinds of fun stuff over there in the Patreon page. And if you go and support us on Patreon, thank you very much, by the way. And if you are a Patreon supporter already, let me stop right now and say thank you so much because it really does bless us. It really does let us know that you love uh, listening to the, to the podcast, that you want to support what we're doing and want us to keep going. And it does mean a lot to us. So I know we probably don't say this enough, but I want to say thank you. We do appreciate it very much. Um, and you also get access to, in addition to all the cool stuff you get on the Patreon uh, page, you also get access to the Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group, which is a private group only for our patrons. 
Um, and we get some, have some great conversations over there as well. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, uh, guys, we have arrived because we have made it onto iTunes as a podcast. So, Finally. Um, oh, yeah, we, we were approved Ooh. and, uh, the, all the episodes are, are going to be compiled there. And uh, so anybody can go and listen to all the episodes going all the way back to the beginning of the here to happy hour podcast. They're all listed there on iTunes. You can rate us and review us and actually really helps the podcast. If you would rate us and review us and even subscribe there as well. Um, five stars, only good reviews, please. Oh yeah, Thanks. I love how you say it that way. There's like 800,000, uh, podcasts on there. <laughs> <laughs> But we finally made it. <laughs> we made the cut. We made the cut. We made it. Look, look, mom, we're here. Finally did it. I made something. <laughs> <It's> myself. <laughs>